so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. So I encourage you to pray with me as we come to God's word that his word would have his way in our hearts. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the the letter that the Apostle Paul and, and Timothy wrote to the Colossian church. Uh, we thank you that's been preserved for thousands of years that we might learn from your word to us today. We pray that we wouldn't come to the, the scriptures this morning and uh, go away unchanged. I pray that you would transform us by your word, that you would shape us by your word, and that we would go away this morning renewed in who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we are continuing our Colossians series. Deb spoke uh, really well, amazingly, last week uh, from Colossians 2 and, and sharing about our freedom in Christ, that Jesus is enough. And so we've called this series Jesus Plus Nothing because the Christian life is all about Jesus. Um, so yesterday, uh, when the Cape and Ray crew arrived, uh, three of them were wearing uh, NASA T-shirts. I think they were proud of their, their nation, uh, uh, being the only nation in the world that's made it to the moon so far. All right, I think Australia is up and coming uh, in the space race. Not really. Um, and uh, he's not here this morning, unfortunately, but you know, enthusiastically proud of our church family. So we have someone in our church that works for NASA. Um, but what's on the screen is the Hubble Space Telescope. And so this morning I want to use this as an example of, of thinking about perspective, about getting above uh, the, the, the normalness of life to see a different perspective, about getting above the atmosphere. So the Hubble Space Telescope is a satellite that was launched into space with telescope equipment in it and photography equipment in it. And, and uh, if you go to the Wikipedia page on the Hubble Space Telescope, it says, Hubble's orbit outside the distortion of Earth's atmosphere allows it to take extremely high-resolution images with substantially lower background light than ground-based telescopes. And so the Hubble telescope is about having a different perspective. The atmosphere, which I'm very grateful for the atmosphere, it allows me to breathe and live on Earth. If we didn't have the atmosphere, we'd all die. But it also shapes what we can see. It distorts the light that comes in. And if we're trying to look out, it distorts our vision of things out there. And so if we launch a telescope into space, then there's no distortion. We can see clearly. Um, for light years or whatever spacey people use to measure distances. All I know is it's further to the other things up there in space than it is from here to Murrumbateman. <laughs> and so this morning I want us to think about what's our perspective. Are we mired down in an earthly perspective or, or do we, like the Hubble Space Telescope, do we have a crystal clear heavenly perspective? And so this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in the first few verses of Colossians 3, he was talking about having the right perspective. He said, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, minds on things above, not on earthly things. So he's saying your focus, your perspective should be not 
on the earthly things, not in the things of this atmosphere where we live and we breathe and, and, and earthly things are necessary. The Apostle Paul's not saying, you know, go without food, go without air, go without water. But he's saying, don't, don't let that be the place where you set your focus. Don't let that be your perspective. We're called to have a heavenly focus and a heavenly perspective in Christ. We're, we're called to fix our attention on things above, the things of heaven, not the things below Because that's where Jesus is seated. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And and so if we're in him, if we're united with him, that should be the place in which all of our attention is focused. On where Jesus, who is our life, it says in in the next couple of verses, where he's seated. In a different letter, the Apostle Paul made made it even more clear that, that, that that's actually where we are seated. So here he just says that you know we're raised with him, but in Ephesians 2.6, he makes it even more clear. He says, in a similar phase, phrase, and God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. See, we, we, we don't just look from earth towards Jesus seated in heavenly realms. The, the scriptures say that we're seated there with him. It's not just our, pers- our focus. Heaven is the perspective from which we're called to look from. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Jesus is seated. Set your minds on things above. The things of heaven should be consume our mind and our hearts. And so the Apostle Paul, in, in, in this section of the letter begins to talk about this focus and perspective because it, and it's important because Paul is about to address this question. How do we live out this new life in Christ? How do we behave? How do we act in this new life of Christ, in Christ? It's a question of ethics that he's beginning to talk about. It's a question of behavior. It's, it's a question of our religious practice. It's a question of our lifestyle. And so the question here, wrapped up with this question, is do we, do we just go back to the rules? Or do we find a, a new set of rules to govern our behavior? Do, do we just cling to a set of rules that that's, that's how we live out life in Jesus? Or the opposite end of the spectrum is, do we kind of give off all restraint and just live a life of hedonism? Do we cast off all restraint, all guidance and I uh, hope Deb doesn't mind me saying she, she spoke about freedom in Christ and been enough in Christ last week, but often when you're about to preach, the enemy will put a, a thought in your head and she says, oh, I hope people don't go wild in response to this. And, and so Paul is saying it's, it's so important that we have the right perspective when we come to thinking about this new life in Christ. Is it legalism or hedonism? In my beloved old bashed up duct tape together Bible, there's a heading on chapter 3 and, and most of the, the Bibles will have a, a heading and this is my semi-regular reminder that the, the numbers, the chapters and verses are not inspired scripture. They're, they're what people have come along later and added to help us find things. And the same is true of the headings. The headings are not inspired by God. 
They're, they're what people have added to give kind of some, some structure to God's Word so that we can find things. And, and so in my beloved old version of the NIV, it, it gives this heading on chapter 3, Rules for Holy Living. Rules. I want to tell you this morning that that is a terrible heading. That is an absolutely terrible heading to sit between Colossians 2 and Colossians 3. See, Deb preached on these passages last week, but Colossians 2, 20 to 22 says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These things are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teaching such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So why then would we then, in the very next breath, jump to rules for holy living? It's a terrible heading. I'm grateful that the digital version that you'll find of the NIV, the updated version, in Colossians chapter 3, has this heading. Living as those made alive in Christ. That's a good heading. Because the Christian life is not about rules, the Christian life is not about laws. The Christian life is not about religious practices that we do to make ourselves right with God. Full stop. The Christian life is about being united with Jesus Christ. Full stop. And so if you come here this morning and you're about ready to tune out, I want to say that one more time. This is the thing I want you to take away this morning. We're going to unpack some more. We're going to talk some more about this. Uh, but I want you to take away this morning that the Christian life is not about rules. It is not about following the laws, whatever they may be. It is not about performing ritual, religious ritual practices in the hopes that God will be pleased with us or that we'll get to heaven. The Christian life here on earth, the Christian life is about being united with Christ. In the next two verses, Colossians 3, 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul says this, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The you that was independent from God, the you that, that might try and please God or try and run away from Him, whoever you were before you came to Christ, that person is dead. And now you're hidden, united together with Christ, who is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Our life is wrapped up with Jesus so intimately that the Christian life is simply about being united with Him. The old life is dead, the new life has come. And so the implications of that, the Apostle Paul tells us in, in verses 5 to 9, is to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. 
Essentially, the Apostle Paul saying is, since you're united with Christ, since you're seated in heaven with him, since that's not just your focus, but that's the perspective on which you look at things from, he says, put to death in your life everything that doesn't belong in heaven. Put to death the things that don't belong with where you're seated in Jesus. Put to death the things that that are inconsistent with being united with Christ. But here's the key. We do that, we put to death these things that we're about to talk about in a moment because we are already seated in heaven with Jesus. Because we are already united with Christ, we don't put these things to death so that we can be. We are already united with Christ. We have already died with Him. We are already, if we put our trust in Jesus, as God sees it, we are already seated in heaven with him. And so, yes, we, we, we put to death certain behaviors. There, there is an ethic, there, there is a, a, a shaping of our behavior in Jesus, but, but we don't behave in order to be accepted. We are accepted, and that shapes our behavior. And so the Apostle Paul says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And so Paul's saying this is the kind of behavior that, that caused the wrath of God to come. As we had some testimonies from our brothers this morning sharing that, that, that realization that, that we're not good enough. We need Jesus. So the Apostle Paul's kind of saying, like, why would we continue in the stuff that caused us to need Jesus in the first place? The wrath of God is coming because of this kind of stuff. But then he says you used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. He's saying put that behind you, put that to death because now you're united in Jesus. And up until this point, the things he's talked about are all in a sense, inner, personal things. Sexual immorality. Though that might have an outward action, it's an, it's an inward desire thing. The, the original Greek word means basically a selling off of sexuality, a, a selling off of sexuality to anything that falls short of God's intended purpose within a committed marriage relationship. Impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. These are all kind of personal things. These are all things within us, our attitudes, our thoughts, our personal behaviours. But it's not just the personal that we put to death from our old life. There's also the interpersonal. The Apostle Paul goes on, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger. Rage, malice, slander and and filthy language. And filthy language there is not just kind of swearing profane words um, that are often four letters. uh, If you catch my drift of the kind of words I'm talking about, it's actually more meaning words that that damage others, that cause others harm. And so, of course, foul language kind of fits in that mix, but but it's, it's, it's just language used to hurt and corrupt others. (laughs) 
So put to death these things, filthy language from your lips, and do not lie to each other. And so Paul's saying that there's personal things and there's, there's interpersonal things that, that we put to death. We bury them. Because in reality, that, that the person that they belong to was dead and buried with Jesus. We bury them because they're already dead. And then Paul goes on to, to talk a little bit more about what it looks like to, to enter into this new life in Christ. And he says, he uses an example of, of, of like wearing a coat. And he says, oh, how's my arm going to get through that thing? And so the Apostle Paul says, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which has been renewed in the knowledge of the image of the Creator, he says here there is no Jew or circumcision or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. So he uses this example of taking off a coat, of a change of clothes. He says we do this because we're being renewed in the knowledge of of the image of the Creator. Once we've been united with Christ. And so the scripture says in Genesis 1.27, at the beginning of all things in creation, it says that we were created in the image of God. <coughs> that we are created male and female in the image of God. That that was the intended purpose of humanity was to bear the image of God. And Adam and Eve, the, the forebears of us, chose to disobey God. They fell short of that image. And, and so since then, every human being has fallen short of what it means to carry the image of God. Except for one whose name is Jesus, who is both man and God. And, and he died and was raised to life and we've been raised with him. And, and so the Apostle Paul says that in being united with him, we're now being restored in the knowledge of that image. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, in another letter the Apostle Paul wrote, he says, we're being transformed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so there's this process once we're united with Christ that we're, we're transformed back to what we're always meant to be, carriers of the image of God. Another Old Testament verse, Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, All our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so all of our efforts to, to live and behave and, and act righteously is, is like filthy rags. Uh, the, the original Hebrew there is, is so crass that even I won't say it in church. Let's just say those rags are pretty filthy and not something you want to touch and that's the best righteous effort we have. And, and so we've been renewed in the knowledge of what it looks like to be united with Jesus and apologies for anyone that might be in the parenting room. But, but when we come to Christ, it's like looking in the mirror and realizing what we're wearing. About looking in the mirror and, and realizing that this stuff, if we go back to the previous verse, this stuff, this this sexual immorality, it's ugly and it stinks. 
this impurity and, and, and lustful thoughts. When we're united with Jesus, we might not see it before, but, but then we come to Jesus and, and, and the, the verse in Corinthians where, where Paul talks about being transformed from glory to glory, he says, in the image of Jesus, as we comprehend his face, his glory unveiled. And so Jesus is like a mirror to who we're meant to be. And so we, we look at Jesus and we realize that, that all of this stuff is ugly, it's stinked, it's broken, it's ripped up. So why would we want to wear it anymore? See, it's not that taking off the coat gets me to heaven. It's in fact, in, in biblical terms, I'm already there. And this coat just doesn't quite fit the dress code. And so the Apostle Paul says, bury the stuff that doesn't belong. Bury the sexual immorality. Bury the impurity. Bury the lust. Bury the evil desires. Bury the greed. Take off the coat of anger. Take off the shirt of rage. Take off malice. Take off slander. Unbutton filthy language from your life. Throw your lying hat in the bin. And just don't wear it anymore. I'm going to keep banging this point. Not because doing that will get you to heaven. Not because doing that will make God love you now. But because he already does. Because you're already united with Christ. Because you're already together with him and seated in heavenly realms. It's, it's like our eyes been opened. But Riley said this morning in his testimony that he prayed all night. And then it was just like his eyes were opened. He could actually see clearly and and the stuff that we used to wear just kind of stank now and was a bit ugly but then Jesus also gives us the capacity to take it off and the beauty of this verse is as we take off that old stuff it's not just the personal that's transformed it is the interpersonal. And so now Paul can say that in Christ, as we take off the old stuff, as we put the old coat in the bin, as we bury the old, the Apostle Paul can say, now in Jesus, there is no Gentile or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There, there's no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free but in Christ all is in all and and so what happens is we take off the old stuff our reasons for fighting and squabbling and being divided and racist and angry and judgmental all of those go in the bin as well and our eyes are open to see that not just do I get transformed when I come to Jesus but but the world around me can be transformed through me as I seek to live this life out and so we put to death everything that doesn't belong in heaven. We take off the cloak that stinks and that is ugly. But we're not left naked. 
Paul goes on to talk about what we should put on. Paul says, put on the new. In the next verses, he goes on to say, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And so he goes on to talk about the new that we put on, but he makes sure that we hear this first. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. See, that comes first. Because we already are and not so that we can be. Because we already are chosen, we put on a new life. We put on a new coat. We dress ourselves, and hopefully you're getting the drift that this isn't just about wearing better clothes in church or, or, or you're better dressed when you come to Jesus. It is the first time I've preached, except for at weddings in a suit jacket. It's not just about new clothes, it's about putting on a new life in Christ. But, but it's not so that we can be chosen, it's because we already are. It's not so that we can be loved, it's because we already are. And so the Apostle Paul makes sure we hear that first. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And so some of us need to, this morning, make sure we hear that first. We're talking about stuff we should bury and take off. We're talking about, in a moment, stuff that we should put on. But, but first, some of us need to hear that, that you are already chosen by God. It's not about what you don't do and what you do do and, and, and winning His approval. He, he chose you before the creation of the world, the Scripture tells us. It's not about doing stuff or not doing stuff so that God loves you. The Bible says that for God so loved, paraphrasing, you, that He gave His one and only Son. The Bible says, John fifteen nine, on the wall over here, as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. Absolutely, our behavior should be radically and completely transformed when we come to Jesus, but because we're already united with him, not so that we can be. And so the Apostle Paul says that there's things to put on. There's things to take off, but, but there's things to put on. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Because Jesus is compassionate. Remember, this is about bearing his image. It's about looking in the mirror and seeing Jesus and our life becoming more and more like who he is. And so we clothe ourselves with compassion because Jesus is compassionate. We clothe ourselves with kindness because Jesus is kind. We clothe ourselves with humility because Jesus was humble. 
We clothe ourselves with gentleness because Jesus is gentle. We clothe ourselves with patience because Jesus is patient. We bear with each other and forgive one another. Whatever grievances we have against each other, we forgive. Why? We forgive as the Lord forgave us. And above all these virtues, we put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so there's stuff to put on, but, but the, the, the biggest thing, the most important thing that we put on in Christ is, is the garment of love. It says, let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And, and, and so Paul, when he talked about the things to put off, there was, there was personal things and there was interpersonal things. And the, and the same is true of what we put on. There's personal things that, that radiate outwards. Compassion is something within us that radiates outwards. Kindness is something within us that radiates outwards. But, but there's also this interpersonal stuff of, of bearing with one another and, and forgiving one another and having peace amongst one another. And, and so as we put on the new life in Christ, it's not just me who's transformed, it's the world around me. And then in the next verse, and sorry this morning the verses have dropped, the references, pardon me, have dropped off the bottom of the slides. In the final verses of this section we're exploring this morning, Paul goes on to say, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so this is what, and this isn't just about Sunday morning, don't hear me saying that, but, but this is actually what being the church is about. Church is not a religious ceremony that we show up to. The church is not the building that we show up to. It's not a place that we come to tick a box so that God's happy with us. If that's what you're trying to make church be for you, you'll always be disappointed with it. No matter how good a church is, it's not good enough to fulfill in your life what only Jesus can fulfill. But, but this is what part of the church is, is been around. It is about together letting the word of Christ dwell amongst us richly. It's about teaching each other and admonishing one another with God's word. It's about singing together psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit or some translations say spiritual songs. And I was excited to read in my study that the original words for spiritual songs mean spontaneous spirit filled songs. See, a psalm is, is like the psalms. A hymn is, is like a, a song, not just what we call hymns now, but even our, our worship songs that, that, are, that are pre-written and, and we sing them together and we all have the words on the screen or we know them. That, that's, that's technically a, a hymn. It's a written song. But a spiritual song is, is just, a, just a, a made-up song as you, you're in the Holy Spirit. And, and so I felt very affirmed in my random singing um, in that. But, but I also want to affirm you and encourage you Sometimes to go beyond the script. Yes, sing the psalms, sing the hymns, but, but in our times of worship together or in your times of worship at home, just, just sing what comes to heart. 
sing your own. Sometimes there's just not a song written that says the worship that, that you have in your heart for God. Sometimes there's, there's just not a psalm that, that perfectly captures it. So just sing your own song. Let me be the example that it doesn't have to be in tune or fit with the melody of the music that's playing. But that's what being the church is about. It's about being together in the Word, being together in, in singing songs of worship. And it's about so much more. And, and then verse 17, it's the final verse we're looking at today, and it's essentially Paul's bottom line for ethics. His bottom line for what living this new life in Christ looks like. How do we, how do we live it out? But he says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whatever you're doing, whether you're speaking it, whether, whether it's an action, I'll go even to add to that, even if it's a thought, whatever you do, think or say, do it all in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so to sum all this up, to sum up this idea of what, what does it look like to live out this new life in Christ, this putting to death of the old, this, this being raised up in Christ with the new, this taking off the old garment of, of, of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, malice, anger, rage, taking that off and putting on the new compassion, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness. The bottom line is, whatever you're doing, do it for Jesus. We don't need laws, rules and regulations to shape us, to, to control us into thinking what kind of behaviours fit with that and what ones don't. We'll all stumble. We all still live in this atmosphere. But we're not called to focus on here. We're called to fix our eyes, to fix our hearts on things above. So I want to finish this morning with with where I started, I'm going to go back to our space telescope and ask you, what, what is your perspective? How, how do you see this new life in Christ? Are you a, an old school NIV fan and your idea of what Christian life looks like is rules for holy living? That... that that not just Colossians 3, but, but that this book is, is what we come to and um, what's the basic instructions for life? E, I don't know, before eternity. Uh, it's not a bad an acronym, but, but you, your idea of coming to this is, this is rules for holy living. If I can just tick all the boxes here, then man, God is solid. We're good. Is that your perspective on what Christianity or what life in Jesus looks like this morning? Without heaping on guilt and shame, because that's certainly not what this morning is about, I want to suggest that if that's your perspective, then you've got a wrong perspective. And I want to encourage you with the Apostle Paul to launch a satellite into heaven, to get above this atmosphere to get your perspective and a focus above the earthly things to the heavenly things. It's not about rules, religion, legalism. It's not about ticking the boxes. It's about being united with Christ. It's about being chosen and dearly loved by God. It's about being seated in heaven and, and that transforms our behaviour 
because we already are those things and not so we can be. We put off the old because it's ugly and it stinks and it doesn't fit with who we are in Jesus anymore. We put on the new because we were created and are being renewed in the glorious, into the glorious image of our Creator. We bury what's already dead. We bring to life what's been raised. We take off what's ugly and stinks and put on the new. Or another uh, metaphor Jesus himself used in the scriptures was, we're filled not with the old wine, but the new. There's this group of, of Pharisees that, that came to Jesus and said, why, why are you and your followers not ticking all the old religious boxes? Why aren't you doing all of the things we've done for thousands of years to be right with God? And Jesus' response was, I'm bringing something new. And you don't pour the new into the old. It just can't contain it. You need new wineskins and new wine. Um, So we're going to sing a song that might be new for many this morning that focuses on this idea of not the old wine, not the old vessels of religiosity and legalism, but the new thing of life united with Christ. That we, in fact, would be that new wine vessel, that new wine skin that contains the newness of Jesus in this world. So I want to invite you to stand with me and I'm going to pray and we're going to worship together. And so if this song's new for you and you're not sure about the words, just, just let your heart and your mind soak in it as a, as a way of fixing your eyes on, on heavenly things. Um, but also feel free to worship, to sing along, to let this be your prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, may we know this morning that we are chosen Before the creation of the world, you chose every single person in this room. We don't need to do a thing to be accepted by you. And so we just thank you this morning for that. Father, I thank you this morning that we are dearly loved by you. That there's no behavior we need to cast off, no behavior we need to pick up in order to earn your love. We thank you that we are dearly loved by you. And so, Father, I pray this morning that as we are united with Jesus Christ, as we are seated with him in heavenly realms, as we're raised up with him, that you would make us new. That you would make us a new wineskin, a new vessel to contain the newness that Jesus wants to pour into our life. I pray that you would help us to bury the old and to put on the new I pray that you would transform us, that you would renew us into the glorious image of our creator, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. 
you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.